Welcome, this is Jack Clabby from Carlton Fields, and we are back with part three of our series with the American Land Title Association about the California Consumer Privacy Act for land title industry. Uh, thank you to Alta for getting us all together here to record the podcast. Uh, we've got a great team here answering real questions from real Alta members. Uh, we've got the usual crew with us, Liz Riley, Compliance and Regulatory Counsel with Fidelity National Financial in Jacksonville, Florida. We've got Joe Swanson. He's the practice group leader for cyber and privacy at Carlton Fields with me here in Tampa, Florida. We've got Steve Blickensturfer, a CIPP and a privacy attorney with Carlton Fields out of the Miami, Florida office. And finally, me, Jack Clabby, a former federal cyber prosecutor and a cyber and privacy attorney at Carlton Fields in Tampa. And uh, our usual disclaimer, this podcast is for education purposes only. We do not have attorney-client privileges with our listeners, and we're not providing uh, legal advice here. We do try to give you some practical answers to things, but it really is important for you to do your own research on this and hopefully use this podcast as a guide uh, as you plan for compliance. Uh, Liz Riley is here. Um, she does work at Fidelity, but she's here on her own, um, speaking for herself and not on behalf of the company that she works for and represents. All right, so we have some great mailbag questions for this one. Uh, you recall in the first part of the podcast series, we gave an overview of the CCPA, talked about what is a quote unquote business, talked about how it might apply, the CCPA might apply to you as a player in the title uh, insurance or the title industry. In segment two, we got into the definition of service providers uh, and contrasted those with covered businesses and third parties. We also talked about the definition of sale, which is a little broader than most people might think under the CCPA. In this, which is part three of the podcast series, we're going to talk about resources that are available to you uh, as uh, an industry member of the land title industry. We're also going to look at some internal and external tools and, and resources that you might have at your company and within uh, sort of your networking group. And finally, we're going to talk about some practical compliance tips for companies that are struggling with how to fit in, uh, how to fit CCPA compliance into their overall governance, um, whether they might be a business, a service provider, or a third party. So let's get right into it. All right, um, let's talk about resources. Question 11, um, I assure you, was not a plant from any of the people who, who are participating here. Uh, is there a resource page? where I can get information and practical advice about the CCPA over the course of the coming year as it is implemented. Liz, are there any that you know of uh, maybe associated with ALTA? There are, in fact, Jack. Yes, um, Alta does have a great resource page, fairly new. I think we spun it up um, you know, earlier in the fall but it provides a lot of data privacy and specifically CCPA resources. It's the alta.org slash business dash tools slash data privacy dot CFM, or you can just navigate from the Alta homepage by clicking on the business tools link. And I, I would be remiss not to mention that several of the great resources on that page have been authored by the folks on this podcast and are worth checking out. <laughs> Thank you, Liz. Joe, um, but, well, You've got folks who, um, you know, th this is an area where the title industry is different from the the rest of the country, right? There is this idea of the Graham-Leach-Bliley exception 
under the privacy rule uh, is is a, is sort of a game changer. Um, you know, and it's just there's no guidance whatsoever from California about what to do. Uh, but there are pretty good resources out there that can help you answer some of the threshold questions, Joe. And what's another one that you do a lot of work on? Yeah, uh, the the firm Carlton Fields has a CCPA toolkit. If you Google Carlton Fields CCPA toolkit, um, I think you'll come across it, or or you can get it on our website as well. And it's intended to help businesses answer some of the questions we've been talking about uh, on this podcast, um, and in particular, the threshold questions about whether or not the CCPA applies to a business. There are a series of questions that the toolkit or app will ask uh, that are designed to get to the bottom of that um, that issue. And then if it is um, applicable or looks to be applicable, it also asks a number of questions about the kinds of things you need to be thinking about to get compliant privacy notices, data sharing practices, that sort of a thing. And it ends with a written report that that organization then has uh, from their time spent with the app. Thanks, Joe. You know, another thing too is when January 1st hits, there's gonna be a lot, a lot, right? You know, hundreds, if not thousands of new privacy policies that are gonna hit there. And my guess is that about 30, 30 days later, you're gonna see a lot of people's privacy policies be edited once all these things that have been worked on in secret uh, finally get out there. Uh, for participants in residential home closings that touch California, another idea is when that happens, go look at uh, the lender's uh, web pages of the lenders that you work with on an ongoing basis. Go look at the, um, the real estate brokers' um, web pages who you work with on an ongoing basis and see what they're saying. See what they're doing, see what they're saying about uh, the CCPA, and see if it aligns with your expectations about what's going to happen in your, uh, in your own practice. Steve, you, you've got some other good resources I know that you check pretty regularly for CCPA. Those are all great resources. I agree with you in checking other, other people's websites. Uh, I would also add the IAPP's website. a great resource, iapp.org. Org, And also for the not-so-faint-at-heart, I would go to the California AG's website, check out you know, go straight to the source and see what they're saying about it. I suspect we're going to see some actual, like, helpful, uh, you know, interpretations on some things uh, or advice. Maybe oag.ca.gov/privacy. That's the current website. oag.ca.gov/privacy. All right. So we've got. Let's recap it. We've got the ALTA's uh, privacy resources page, which is really going to be updated. Has been updated and is, is continue to be updated. We've got the Carlton Fields CCPA toolkit, which has the interactive sort of widget there. We've got your lender's privacy policies as of January 1st. We've got your real estate agent, real estate brokers, and realtor websites who you work with on an ongoing basis to check out what they're saying and they're doing. We've got the IAPP's website, and then we've got the California uh, AG's website um, and the disclosures that they're going to make and guidance they're going to make under the public disclosures rules and their uh, sort of other obligations and uh, helpful ways uh, to get the message out to industry. All right, uh, 12th question here, a little bit different from resource page or passive resource pages, but what tools should I be leveraging in order to comply with the CCA, CCPA? So what tools are there out that may be existing or that might be out there that folks can use to comply with the CCPA? Joe, what, what do you think? Yeah, and uh, organizations can think of this in kind of two buckets, both internal resources as well as external. And I'll start with the internal first, and this is going to be driven, you know, largely by the size of the organization, the sophistication, what kind of um, departments it has that may uh, have a hand in, in helping with CCPA compliance. But 
so uh, not all of these will be applicable to any given organization, but certainly your IT group, your information security group, your website team, risk management to the extent that that's a, a standalone function, uh, the general counsel's office, uh, privacy officer if there is one in the organization or privacy office, and then the marketing uh, because they're probably going to have a pretty good handle on some of these um, data flows that are going to be critical to the kinds of questions that we've been talking about. So that's internal. External, um, you know, if, you, if you're working with outside counsel, they can be helpful in assessing whether the CCPA applies. If it does apply, they can help draft the notices uh, that would go on your website and otherwise uh, where there's collection of personal information. And also outside counsel can hire, to the extent they're necessary, other third parties uh, you know, to help with forensic work, data mapping. That work would arguably protect, be protected by the attorney-client privilege if outside counsel has retained them. Uh, and I mentioned um, those third parties, uh, they can be uh, instrumental in doing the data mapping that's critical to understanding where your data is and what you do with it, uh, doing a gap assessment relative to the CCPA's requirements, uh, providing a 1-800 number that can help to uh, accept um, customer requests for uh, information about the personal information that that organization holds on them, and outsourcing the verifications so that when, after January 1st, consumers start asking for uh, deletion or asking for copies of their information, uh, these third-party firms can help verify that the person making the request is, in fact, a California resident and the person they purport to be. Yeah. So that's, that's the internal people, the external people. There's some technology and software, software that is available, I think, to help. Um, you know, it hasn't really been tested much. Some of it uh, really cut its teeth in connection with the GDPR's request for access and request for data portability. And it's, it's, it's not, you know, round peg, square hole, it is a, or apples and oranges, right? It's a little bit closer than that. But the software that did help uh, stand up the GDPR is available for at least larger companies who are getting compliant with the CCPA. Some examples of those are authentication and verification uh, software systems or third-party resources that service software systems, uh, automating responses to customer requests, right? Uh, OneTrust is an example, you know, no affiliation with them, but they're sort of the household name for this verification and autom automation service. Um, there's a number of other sort of uh, software as a service companies and, um, you know, companies that do com computer programming and software engineering who can help work on your back-end systems if you're a larger organization or if you're based in California and you know you're going to have a lot of requests on this. I mean, we have, um, we've talked to a number of clients about one of the features of the CCPA, which is the statutory, uh, um, statutory damages, right? So if there's a breach, a data breach under the CCPA, uh, you, a, a plaintiff could bring a case without having to show actual damages. There's a statutory damages and it's a couple of hundred dollars. It's a range of a couple hundred dollars. And, and folks have said, look, Jack, I get it, right? Um, there's gonna be more lawsuits here, but I'm already being fined because each one of these things is gonna cost me $500, $1,000 to respond to each time. So if you do the math within your organization and you anticipate getting 100, 1,000, 10,000 potential requests, as you climb up that request likelihood ladder, looking at these outside solutions for verification and for, um, for automating responses becomes more um, sound. Also, if you are buying data from anyone, 
right? Uh, or if you are selling data to people, talk to those counterparties. They may have solutions because they have every incentive to keep those relationships in place, and they may have already done vetting on those that you can piggyback on. Lastly, you know, there's a few other people that you should probably talk to about preparing for the CCPA if you are a covered business and anticipate a large volume. Talk to your insurance broker, talk to your company's insurance broker about the risks and what they're advising their, their customers and clients to do. Um, and talk to your insurance carrier if you have a direct relationship with your carrier. Now, the insurance brokers and the carriers are probably concerned more in the first end about the consequences for the data breach itself. Um, but they've also done quite a bit of thinking about compliance, and they may have some discounts or low-cost resources that they can push you, um, push you in. Again, before you go out and make huge investments, if you haven't already done it, right? If, you, if you're listening to this and you are a huge company facing the CCPA, you're probably already on top of this. If listening to this you think, I have a bigger CCPA problem than I realize, um, again, you have a little bit of cushion with the enforcement um, delay, uh, but now is the time to start. And you know, talk to folks who, um, who you have good relationships with and trade data on before you go outside and start paying a lot for new resources. All right, what, let's shift over some, some other practical compliance tips because we got some questions on those too. Uh, question 13, we actually thought about skipping question 13 because it was unlucky, but we just, you know, it's not a matter of luck with the CCPA, it's a matter of being prepared, so we just kind of went for it. What are some practical preparatory steps for CCPA or other forthcoming similar state laws. So what are some, some practical forthcoming, um, what are some practical prep steps, Joe, to get people started? Sure, I think part of it is just a paradigm shift for a lot of organizations in the United States to shift from a, a notice and a focus on data breaches and preparation and responding to data breaches to actual rights associated with privacy. And those privacy-oriented rights are not supplanting the data breach because that's also part of the CCPA. There's a private right of action for data breaches like you just said, Jack. But in addition to that, there's also this new era of privacy uh, rights that has existed outside the United States for a long time, see Europe and the GDPR, uh, but is, is coming to our shores and, and coming here in a big way. Uh, so getting ready for it requires a lot more than just preparing for data breaches. So some practical tips in getting ready. One, we talked about this already, but it's worth mentioning again, and that is data mapping. You really can't prepare for the CCPA or what are likely to be a raft of other laws like it in 2020 without knowing where your data is, who you share it with, and what else you do with it. Um, then work on three CCPA documents, a California privacy notice, a notice at collection that informs Californians of the categories of data that you collect and the reasons for it, and also an employee notice. Again, the employee coverage under the CCPA is fairly limited for this first year, but there is still a notice that needs to go with it. Another document to have handy is the Incident Response Guide. Most companies should have that already for dealing with breaches, uh, but because that's also a component of the CCPA, you're gonna wanna have an Incident Response Guide, which is the playbook uh, the organization will use in the event of a cybersecurity incident or breach. Review your vendor relationships, gather your contracts, prepare the addenda that contain the terms we've talked about uh, on this podcast, and consider, do you have an accountable person in your organization who has enough authority? Uh, that person needs to be um, 
needs both to be successful, uh, authority and accountability. And that could be, depending on the organization, a CISO, a privacy officer, a lawyer, or someone else, just make sure that he or she is both accountable and has authority in order to be successful. Yeah, and you know, when you're doing these tasks for the uh, title industry, I mean, some practical uh, tips that we've seen be successful, particularly if you're a smaller organization and you're gonna be subject to the CCPA, you know, look at a typical closing. Uh, look at a typical closing and look at each piece of California personal information that was collected during that closing or that was used at the closing and trace it back to where it came from. And if you can trace back, you know, it's, it's a closed universe of documents that everyone listening to is pretty familiar with. Uh, check each document. Where did you get it from and what was the contract by which you acquired it? And if you didn't acquire it pursuant to a contract and you collected it directly, um, you may be a business and you want to look at what it was that you said um, or, or need to say at the point of collection. Um, the, the second way of doing a data mapping is to look at each and every marketing piece that you send out if you're marketing directly to consumers. If you're marketing to a consumer, you need to know, how did I get this person's name? How did I get their phone number? How did I get their address? How did I get their email address? If you can't answer those questions, um, you got to get to the bottom of it, right? So I think those are two ideas for data mapping is Take a, take a real property closing and look at um, each document, trace it back to its source. And then second, right, look at each piece of marketing you've done in the last three months, four months, and try to figure out how you figured it out. Lastly, you know, if you're covered by GLB, as many people listening are, the, the, the privacy rule, you know, look at your GLB documents, because you may be doing a lot of this already. I mean, they're, 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 the rights to opt out are different there, but you may have already have a system in place that works fine for the right to opt out for GLB, that you could piggyback for for some of your CCPA work. All right, let's uh, look at our fourteenth question. Um, are there any proactive steps? Are there any proactive steps I should take as a third-party service provider to meet CCPA obligations or duties passed on by the client? All right, so this is someone who is a third-party service provider already, um, and you know what are the proactive steps that they should take, Steve? Step one, I would figure out uh, if you are a third party or a service provider uh, and how that differs from your, your capacity as a business. So we already talked about in the past answer, if you're a business, what you could do. Uh, just, you know, I'll undermine or stress the importance of figuring out your capacity. Are you a service provider? Do you want to be? Uh, are you a third party? Because there could be benefits to being wanting to be a third party. But most important, uh, you know, if, if you figured it out and you want to be a service provider, which is really what I think this question is getting at, look at the contract that you have in place with your businesses that you're doing business with and that you're providing services for. See if it has a required language that you need under the CCPA, uh, which isn't much, but it's, it's kind of like ma magic language we're going to see start added to contracts. Uh, next, I would repeat doing the data mapping. As a service provider, it's equally important to do data mapping as you as it is when you're a business because you want to know what information you have coming in. If you're handling that data as a uh, service provider versus a business, your obligations change, and it's also important to know what you're doing with data and where it's going. And you know, also think about the other things that you have to think about as a service provider. Typically in these agreements for data processing, we are seeing obligations and requirements for auditing, for example. The person who's giving you data has a right to audit you and audit your systems. Have you thought about that, what that looks like? Have you agreed to it in contracts? Are you prepared to? Those are the things I'd be thinking about if I was a service provider. Thanks, Steve. All right, uh, question 15. I use platforms and systems that are provided by a third party. 
how do I make sure that my customers' data are safe and aren't being sold? All right, so this is, again, this is sort of the flip side of the question we just answered. This is, you know, you are a, um, you are a business or you're a third uh, or you're a service provider, and the service provider itself uses service providers. But you're a business that interacts with service providers. What do you need to do to make sure you're, that the data that's being held by the service providers is safe? All right, well, it's the flip side of what Steve just talked about. Look at your contracts with those platforms and systems. You know, they may be terms of use if you're using a really big provider of those, um, of those services rather than a negotiated bilateral contract. But there's still, it's something you can look at and it should have something in there that talks about data. Do you have the magic language that turns them into a service provider? Uh, but as a practical matter, when you're thinking about their security, you know, have you retained or do you have auditing rights? That is, do they send you a report or an attestation on the security of their systems? Do they send you a report or an attestation on their compliance with data security or data privacy laws? Uh, what does the contract or your course of dealing say about their compliance with data privacy laws? Um, you know, look, there's no, um, you know, there is magic language for what it's going to be a service provider, but the industry, until we sort of start seeing more and more of these after January 1st, um, there's not exactly a script. We know what it needs to get at, um, and it's evolving, but it, you really need to talk about that restriction on the use of data. Steve, what else is going on here? Well, if, if, if you're giving data uh, and there's no further restrict on its use, that could be a problem for both parties involved because that creates an obligation on the business to provide notice about selling of data and also provides restrictions on the entity receiving the information because then they can no longer share it with other entities without that being a sale. Uh, so a party who receives data is not a service provider, can't sell it uh, unless they check with the person first uh, with respect to whether how it was received, if they received the appropriate notice from the consumer and, and so on. So uh, just additional considerations to, to, to think about. There's a lot of overlap um, between the, the lawyers and the vendors who are advising on the CCPA and that same that, sub, uh, that subset of Americans who are really interested in novelty T-shirts, right? So there's a pretty big overlap between those two groups. And Steve, we've been seeing some T-shirts that say, I am not a... What is it? I I am you know, I am a service provider. That's it. All my vendors are service providers. <laughs> yeah, that's it. All my vendors are service providers. Um, you know, I think of you know if we talk to ten clients or, or ten uh, companies that we work with, it, each of them starts out with a conversation. Well, well, I don't I don't sell any data, so that part's not going to apply to me, and I don't need to worry about that. Um, and then you know, out of each of those ten conversations, probably three of them end up being sellers when you get to the bottom of of what it is. But yeah, all my vendors are service providers. Um, give some thought to that, right? Because if you're relying on the service provider um, exception uh, to a disclosure of what would otherwise be a sale, um, and you don't have a do not sell button, and you don't list the right to opt out in your privacy notice, you know, you could be at some risk. So that of the different decisions that you have to make, um, how you categorize the folks to whom you transfer data um, is probably at the top of your list of what's most critical.